What's going on, Thrive Church family? We're so grateful you're tuning into this week's podcast. We pray this message will bless you in the same way that it's blessed our house this past Sunday. All right. Thank you, Pastor Ben. Come on. 11 o'clock. How you feeling today? Good. Come on now. I like it. You're giving the 930 a run for their money. Come on. Hey, well, I am so excited. I'm grateful for you. Grateful for what God's doing uh, in our church, man. It's just such a cool season. And so we are starting a new series today. And I don't think I've been more excited about a series than this series. Probably this series and the Holy Ghost series. Like these two series have just been off the hook this year. We're starting a series called All of Me. Everybody say All of Me. All of Me. And what we're going to do for the next probably 12 weeks, because, you know, we do long series here, for about 12 weeks from now until Christmas, we're going to go through the highlights of the life of David. So we're going to spend some time in the Old Testament, 1st, 2nd Samuel, in the life of David. So we're going to go ahead and jump in. But before we do that, do me a favor. Can we give up for everyone watching online this morning? Come on, let's welcome them in the room. You thought I forgot about you, but I didn't. Love you guys. Thanks for joining us. And even right now, if you have Facebook, go on your Facebook, share this service to your, uh, whatever that's called, profile, is that what it is now? Yeah, you could tell I'm not on Facebook a lot. Um, yeah, whatever, share it, share it on YouTube, share whatever you need to do. You never know who's watching, you never know who needs to hear this word, and I believe this word, man, is powerful. Not because I'm preaching it, but because God's word is powerful. When we read the Bible, the truth, the spirit of God begins to leap out of the pages, the words begin to come alive. It's, it's potent today, family, and, uh, and I don't know. I'm just in a mood to preach, so we're going to go with it. If you're here for the first time, it's going to be some fun. So, hey, let's do it. Stand your feet with me. Let's go ahead and jump into the Bible. We're going to go to 1 Samuel chapter 16. We're going to read a, a good amount of scripture, verses 1 through 13. want to get through the whole story today. We're going to be introducing David's life, and then for the next 12 weeks, we're going to be walking through David's life. And so it says this, 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 1 through 13. It says, The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul, since I have rejected him from being king over the Israelites? Fill your horn with oil and go, and I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king amongst his sons. Next verse. And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord and invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what you shall do. And you shall anoint for me him whom I declare to you. Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to meet him trembling and said, do you come peaceably? And he said, peaceably, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. He consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they had came, he looked on Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Come on now. So then Jesse called on Abinadab and made him pass by before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, are all your sons here? And he said, there remains yet the youngest, but behold, he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and get him, for we will not sit down till he comes. And he sent and brought him in. Now he, this is David, he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose and went to Ramah. Lord, thank you for this word. Speak, move, just continue what you've been doing this morning at our church. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen. Have a seat. I love this story. It's probably one of my favorite stories in all the scripture. I think I say that a bunch of times, but this one, this one's special. You ever, you ever, you ever have just certain parts of the Bible that you're like, ooh, it gets me. I, I, I told first service, I, I felt like I had a hard time kind of figuring out what I was going to say this morning as I was preparing on Thursday. That's what I normally do on Thursdays is I prepare for the message on Sunday. And 
just reminded by God as I'm reading this story of the history I have with God in these pages. I can relate to David, man. My life and David's life in some ways are very similar. I love this story in particularly of when David is anointed. That's what we're going to talk about today. When David got anointed. Also, I, I think this has one of the funniest passages in scripture, right? I think all the fellas would declare this passage over your life that uh, God would say that you're handsome and that you have beautiful eyes. Come on now. Some of y'all fellas, you need some beautiful eyes because your eyes, come on, they look a little crazy. But <laughs> I love it. I love this story. I love what God does in this story. So, hey, I just want to jump in. I want to go right into it. And what I really want to focus on throughout this series is we're going to find out what is so special about David. Because David, David's like the goat of the Old Testament. I don't know if you know this. David is the Michael Jordan of the Old Testament. David is next level. David is up there. Like no, no one else. Like it's probably him and Moses, all right? Like David is there. And, and David, he is known as a man. There's only two people in the Bible who are known by this that are known as a man who is after God's own heart. It was David and it was another man named John in the New Testament. And David does some things in the Old Testament that win the heart of God, that get the attention of God, that begin to focus God's attention on him and the nation of Israel like no one we see. David is just this iconic, prolific character in scripture. And I pray that in this season, that throughout this fall, God would deepen our church like never before in learning about David's life. We find out in David's life, though, that not everything was just started out awesome, which leads me to my first point. I'm going to jump right into it, which is this, is that your background does not detour God's plan. I want you to know that today. Your background does not detour God's plan. Let me explain a little bit of the ESPN highlights of this first. The Bible says that there's a man named Samuel. Now, Samuel is the prophet of God. Samuel is both prophet and judge. And the Bible says that the nation of Israel decides to go up to Samuel and say, Samuel, we are tired of judges. Judges were people who kind of ruled and led. They weren't kings, but they were helping kind of make peace with the nation of Israel and make sure things were done right. Samuel is one of the only people we find in scripture in these dual roles where he is a prophet, where as a young man, he, he, as a little boy, he hears the audible voice of God in the beginning of Samuel. And actually, the life of David is written in first and second Samuel. That's how important Samuel, the prophet, is to David's life. The Bible says that he hears the voice of God. Most scholars believe it was audibly. And from that day forward, Samuel was a priest, was a judge, and a prophet. So accurate, in fact, the Bible says that every word that Samuel spoke did not go to the ground, meaning everything that he said happened. That's a next level biography. Put that on your Instagram bio. You know what I'm saying? Samuel gets told by the people, Samuel, we want a king. Because the nation of Israel was tired of being different from the rest of the different nations. They wanted to be like everyone else. Man, that's another message for another time. Whew, that's what we deal with today. Anyways, they say, okay, well, if you want a king, he's going to do this. He's going to lie. He's going to cheat. But if you want a king, that's what you want to do. Samuel goes before the Lord and says, Lord, they want a king. And so, so the Lord says, all right, we're going to anoint this guy named Saul. Everybody say Saul. Saul was the first king of Israel. Now, Saul was picked as king because he was the tallest in his tribe. He came from one of the larger tribes. It, he looked kingly. God knew that the nation of Israel wanted a king that looked like what they wanted versus the king that they needed. Because, because sometimes God will give us what we want, even though we don't deserve it, and then it will actually backfire on us because he wants to show us humility. Again, another message for another. I told you I'm in a preaching mood today. I'm just dropping random bombs all over the room right now. More so Holy Spirit, not me. All right. Saul ends up being disobedient. We get to this part now in 1 Samuel 16, where the Bible says that because of Saul's disobedience, God is done with Saul. God is like, okay, you can still have the kingly title, but in my eyes, you're no longer king. I'm choosing someone else. You've been rejected. You can, still, you can still be king, but I got something else in the works. Israel, you picked your king. I'm going to pick my king. Israel, you wanted this. I'm going to show you what you really need. And the Bible says that Samuel is all bent out of shape. 
Because what we don't understand in the story is that Samuel and Saul are actually very close. Saul was actually Samuel's protege. The Bible even says that one day Samuel is just having this random moment with God. All the prophets are around him. Imagine like Samuel's at a conference and Samuel's prophesying at a church conference. Saul's in the pew. Next thing you know, Saul gets on stage and the Bible says Saul starts prophesying. How next level is this moment where this guy who's never heard God is now prophesying from the Lord? So him and Samuel are tight, but because of Saul's lack of character, that's what took him out it wasn't his gifting it was his character your character will either break you or sustain you in what God calls you in Saul gets rejected and Samuel is sad his protege the person he thought he invested he poured into he poured his life into and and he he just can't get over it and I don't know about you but you had a season in your life where you just can't get over it and so God comes to him and says, Samuel, how long are you going to grieve over Saul? God comes, and, and this is what God does. He, he comes into our life and he's like, bro, are you still tripping on that thing that happened 10 years ago? Are you still mad that they didn't invite you? Are, they, are you still mad what that pastor did? Are you still mad about what your dad did? Are you still mad about what your mom, are you st- when are you going to let it go? Because don't you know, Samuel, that I got something else. I want you to know this today. That your background and what you've been through does not detour God's plan. It does not change the equation. If anything, it makes the equation even more ridiculous because I have learned this, that God uses foolish things to shame the wise. That God uses the things that don't make sense to do things that are ridiculous so that way he gets the credit and none of us get any credit because what God is not interested in is sharing his glory. He's not interested in you guys being on... Us being on his level. We're not on his level. We never will be. That's what happened with Saul. Saul thought he can do it on his own, and he couldn't. And so the Bible says to Samuel, God says to Samuel, go find another. Get over your stuff because I'm moving. And so we get to the point of probably the main point of the passage, which we find about a man named David. And we know little about David until later. We know that he's a shepherd boy. We know that he is from a little town called Bethlehem, which is like small, small little town. It's kind of like Lathrop, right? No one kind of knows where we're at. I mean, they do now because it's kind of getting bigger. But remember like Lathrop 10 years ago? Y'all didn't live here. Come on, let's be real. (laughs) Y'all just passed by it. All you saw was the In-N-Out warehouse. Let's be honest, right? Nothing good could come out of Bethlehem. And not only this, the Bible says this man, Jesse, this, this, okay, I'm going to say something. Don't get mad, but it's probably true. I know he's a Hebrew, but he could have been a Mexican because this dude had eight boys. I'm just saying. He had a lot of kids, y'all. And I can say that because I'm brown, okay? He had eight boys. And he had all these boys. And the youngest of the boys is this guy named David. And David is so looked down upon, the Bible says he's not even invited to the party. He's not even invited to the party. Imagine your favorite celebrity is at your parents' house for dinner and they know it's your favorite celebrity and they don't even invite you. Samuel is popular. It's like Saul the king, Samuel the prophet. He goes to the house and David's out in the fields. What, what, what is going on that they don't like David so much? Apparently he's the lowest of the low and the smallest of the small and in the place where no one thought anything was great would be and that's the perfect environment for God to do something insane. I want you to know in your impossible moments and your impossible situations, it doesn't matter what background you came from. It doesn't matter what side of the tracks you were born on. It doesn't matter if you were born on the east side or on the west side. It doesn't matter who your parents are. It doesn't matter who your grandparents are. If you would let God do something in your life, watch what he does. And he doesn't care about your background because your background does not detour God's plan. David. David. There's nothing that doesn't make sense. Why would God pick David? But God picked David. Some scholars believe that actually David was the result of an affair his father had. Some scholars believe that the reason why he wasn't invited, he was ostracized from the family is because Jesse had a marital affair. And because of that, he wasn't a legitimate son. Nevertheless, Although his dad didn't want him and his brothers didn't invite him and no one cared for him, God found him. Which leads to my second point, which is this. Your secret life captures or releases God's attention. What did this dude do 
with some sheep in some fields with some rocks that got the heart of God. What did, like, what did he do by himself that God's like, it's you? What, what did this man, how did this man worship? How did this boy worship God? Where God would say, that's, it's you. You're going you're gonna to rule the nation of Israel. You know what? I need a king that would take care of my people. I know I'm not going to pick the tallest. I'm not going to pick the biggest. I'm not going to pick the smartest. I'm not going to pick the one with the most status. I'm going to pick the one who has my heart. I'm going to pick the one that trusts me. What did this man do out with a bunch of sheep? What songs did he sing? What way did he live? And, and I can't imagine the life that David lived where it was by himself. And I have learned this, that if you want God's attention, watch what you do in private. I'm not saying God doesn't love you. I'm not saying God's not merciful. But I'm telling you, if you want the favor of God, if you want the blessing of God, if you want the grace of God, if you want the power of God, it's not what you do on Sunday. Anyone can do what you do here. It's not that hard. When everyone's hands are up, it's easy to put your hands up. But when you're by yourself in your bedroom and you're going through the hell of your life, can you lift your hands up? When you're going through a season where your marriage is broken, can you lift your hands up? Can you choose Jesus? David, it says in Psalms, would meditate on the word day and night. That he would read the Torah. He would read the Old Testament. And he would be reminded of the goodness of God. No one taught him this, but something was in the heart of David that said, God, I don't care if I have anything else but a bunch of sheep that don't even belong to me but God if I have you that's all I need and I'm telling you today if you can allow God to convict you of your private life watch what God does in your life family we need a revival of the private life of our hearts we cannot keep compartmentalizing that I'm one way this way and one way at work and one way in front of my wife and one way in front of the homies or one way in front of my family members and one way in front of my church friends. God wants all of you, not some of you. I think the only reason God chose David is because he knew he had all of David. He had all of him. He had all of his heart. Why? Because in those fields when he was by himself, when he was just taking care of his father's sheep, they didn't even belong to him. How messed up is it that you don't even get to own the thing you take care of? You're a teenager. You don't even get invited to the party. His mom might have not have been around. His father doesn't even care about him. His brothers look down upon him, but he knew someone and it was a man named Jesus. He met God in those fields by himself. And when he went to bed at night, he would look at the stars and be like, Jesus, I know you're real because of the creation of who you are. He would wake up in the morning and thank God of his situation instead of complain about it. There was something about David that grabbed God's attention. Family, I want to live my life that has God's attention. Sorry, I get, I get just choked up because I, I, I really want that. I don't want to be a good preacher. I don't want to be a good pastor. I want God to see me. I want God to be near me. I want, I want to choose Jesus. I don't want this to be religious activity. I don't want to go through the motions. I want God in my life. And David, as a young boy, understands this. David gets the heart of God so ridiculously that God says, just the way you took care of those sheep, you're going to take care of my sheep, which is the nation of Israel. Man, David, you are so next level that your great, 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 great times great, great, great grandson is going to be Jesus, and it's going to be my son. My son is going to be your great, great, great grandson. David, your life is so ridiculous that for the rest of eternity, the Bible says that God will reign Jesus. Jesus will reign on a throne on Zion on the mountain of David. Like when we all die and God comes back and everything is done, God's going to reign on a throne and that throne is going to be named after David. Listen, a lot of us want to connect our name with God, but how next level is it when God wants to connect his name to yours? What did this guy do? What did this guy do? Well, how did he pray? How did he respond? How did he react? How, what did he do to get God's attention? What decisions did he make? What, what was burning in his heart? What, what are the things that he had to let go? How, what did God do? And, and I asked that question because I asked that question to myself. God, show me how to have a heart like David. Show me to love you like David loved you. 
Show me to get your attention because I'm telling you, what you do in your secret life will either get the gaze of God on your life or he'll turn away. Not that he hates you. No, no, no. He's still merciful and kind and gracious. But he can't look at the things you keep doing that break his heart. I want God to get a hold of my secret life. What did this dude do in the fields with these sheep? And yet God still used him. Yeah, nobody wanted him. Nobody wanted him. Come on, I don't know who I'm talking to in this room, but you might have been through a season of your life where you felt like no one wanted you. See, see, I grew up not having a father or a mother really in my life. They were inconsistent. Most of you know this. I grew up an orphan. I grew up abandoned. I grew up lost. And you know, God sent people graciously, but, but still there was an empty hole in my heart. And, but yet the same way God found David, God found me. And, and I've learned that man, David must have struggled with loneliness and depression and anxiety. He must have, he was by himself, but it doesn't say he did in that season. Why? Because he knew that God was there. He knew, not thought it, not had a theological idea, not knew the scripture. No, no. He knew he wasn't alone in those fields. Why? Because he knew he got God's attention. What do you do with your secret life that either grabs a hold the attention of God or doesn't? Which leads me to my next point. Is that when no one knows you exist, God knows where you are. <sighs> The Bible says that David was out in the field. No one was looking for David. Come on, Samuel shows up to this random part of town, Bethlehem, little Bethlehem. He shows up and he, this is what it says. The Bible says he shows up with a cow and he's like, all right, we're going to do a worship service and we're going to eat tacos afterward. That's what we're going to do. He killed a heifer. You know what's about to go down. And that's what they did. They worshiped. And he said, I'm going to make a situation where I know that God called me to find the next king. He shows up, and David, had, David has no idea probably what's going on, or if he does, he's like kind of clueless because he's just out in the field or doing his thing, and no one cared. No one was looking for David. No one wanted David. It wasn't like us, right? When God speaks to us, most of the time, if God's speaking to us to be, I don't know, a pastor, a leader, go into a career, things like that, of that nature, you usually have a moment of self-discovery, and then you go to someone, right? You trust someone, a pastor, a friend, a leader, uh, your parents, and you're like, I feel like God is calling me to this, or I feel like I want to do this. No, no, no. There was no king thing on David's radar, because no one thought David existed, because no one cared David existed, because they treated him like trash. They treated him like a lowly shepherd, the bottom of society. He was all the way at the bottom. And listen, family, just because no one knew David existed doesn't mean God didn't know. Exactly when it feels like no one knows where you are, God knows exactly where you're at. God sends a prophet to find David when everyone didn't think David was part of the equation, can I tell you, family, that if you think you are out and you think God's forgotten and you think that Jesus no longer wants to be in your life, it is a lie from the pit of hell because he knows exactly where you are. He knows where you are when no one even cares that you exist. I felt that in seasons of my life where it feels like no one's there and no one loves me and nothing really matters. And God would say, man, that is such a lie. I am there and I find you and I see you and I am right. If you would invite me in, let me into that situation of your life. When no one knows you exist, God knows where you are. I'll tell you a crazy story. Okay. So a couple weeks ago, about a week and a half ago, we had a young man um, come into our reception area. Now, normally during the office time, we're just hanging out doing pastor things. Right? We're not praying all day, but we're doing work and stuff. And, and, we're, and we're here, and um, Teresa comes into my office, and she says, hey, Pastor Chris, there's a young man here, and, and this man is, is broken. This dude is like crying profusely. You ever have a moment where you're like crying so much you can't talk? Like deep trauma, deep pain. Something's going down. Something's going down. Teresa's like, I don't know what's going on. He says his name is this for, for confidentiality. I'm not going to share his name. His name is saying, his, his, that his name is this. He says he go to our church. And I was like, I don't, I don't help because we got a lot of, we got a lot of people now. And so I'm better with faces than I am names. And, and so 
Uh, she's like, okay, well, what do you want to do? I was like, well, he's here. We got we to gotta, we gotta hang out with him. We got to get him in a room. We got to talk. And so I did what any holy pastor would do. I grabbed Pastor Ben. Because <laughs> I ain't going in there by myself. Man, I grabbed the biggest pastor. What, 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 what are me and Matt going to do? Yell at him? Come on, me and Matt, we're we going we to defend ourselves? Nah. No, no, no. I grabbed Pastor Ben. I wish Vanessa was here. I would have grabbed Vanessa because ain't nobody going to do anything to me if Vanessa's here. You know what I'm talking about? She's a, she, she gangster. She from Stockton. Ain't nothing happening to your pastor with Vanessa. She, she ready. She like the loaded. You think she's little, but bro. She's, she's strapping spiritually and physically. You know what I'm talking about? Like she, she ready for anything, <laughs> but she wasn't there. So I had to settle for pastor Ben. And, uh, so we get there he's so messed up. Poor guy. We bring him, we bring him to a room and uh, right. Cause I don't want to, I don't want to do it in the reception area. If you've been to a reception area, it's like a glass bubble. I don't, I don't know what's about to go down. I don't know what's going on. I don't know if he needs to confess of sin. I don't know. I don't know if, if there's a spiritual situation, I don't know. He's just weeping, weeping, weeping. And so we get him in a room, finally we're able to talk to him. Come to find out that his mom was immigrating from South America, Colombia area, to America through Central America. So right from South America to North America through Central America. It was supposed to be a four-day journey. And it was day nine when he came into the office. And at day nine, they haven't found her and they didn't know where she was. And listen... I don't care how much pastoral training you have. I don't care how much counseling training you have. This is not, like nobody wants to do this. Have that conversation. But that's what we do. I've learned that you don't have to be perfect. You just have to be available. And so he's sharing the story with me and Pastor Ben. And he, he's broken his mom. He, he thinks his mom's dead. If I could be honest, I think his mom's dead. She's lost in the jungles of Panama. They cannot find her. And he feels guilty because he was part of helping her get up here. And he doesn't know where she is. And he is weeping. And I had to do what, what any healthy pastor would do. I wasn't going to promise him something because that's not fair. That's not how God moves. I'm not going to give him some prosperity, fake gospel. And if you give an extra tithe, then God's going to find your mom. No, no, no. Like I had to tell him the real. Listen, friend, whether God finds your mom or not, you will be okay. And you need to trust in Jesus. You need to make sure that you have God in your heart. And he does. And he, he's been following God for a few years now. And, and even that was a thing. He was saying that he struggled with some past sin. And he was nervous that this moment was going to trigger him into things that he broke off his life. So we begin to declare the freedom of Jesus. And, and we just begin to declare that God's going to sustain him and get him. And then it got to the point where we had to pray for his mom. And I prayed that God would find his mom. Now, let me tell you, friends, there are times I pray. And your pastor, I'm not being arrogant. I like to pray. Me and God, we're tight like that. I pray a lot. Not because of, I'm special. That's just, that's how I need a function. Like some of y'all need gas for your car. I need prayer. You know what I'm saying? I need long hours of devotion and meditation to Jesus because I, I don't make it. I'm, I'm all a mess. There's times I pray and I know God's going to answer my prayers. I don't know why, but I do. And then there's times I pray and I have no idea what's about to happen. Little faith. Very little faith. I prayed that prayer with very little faith. I didn't believe it because I didn't know. So I pray, I say, friend, we pray that God would have his way in your mom's life, right? Me and Pastor Ben are there. We're just doing the best we can. And we pray that if it's God's will, that she would be found. We just say that angels would find her. We say that you would do whatever you need to do. So we just believe it. But I, I left that meeting. He left. And I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen. He comes on Sunday last week, walks in the building. It was second service. So some of y'all are in this service in the back. You heard someone screaming in the lobby. That was me. He's smiling. And I'm like, oh, shoot, something went down. And he's like, Pastor Chris, we found her. <laughs> Pastor Chris, we found her. And I, I, guys, I freaked out. You, like, I'm extra. Y'all know this. If you don't know this by now, I'm super extra. The safety team was like, what's going on? What's the, like, they're trying to look at me, say, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm good. I just gave him the biggest hood. He's crying. I'm crying. Pastor Ben's crying. We're all crying in the lobby. Like worship's happening. I don't care. God just, he, and he's like, we found her crazy. Okay. Come to find out what happened is she got lost with her group. 
but she was crossing a river. She got lost with her group. The group let her go. She got lost in the current. Two crazy stories. One, as she was lost in the current, she thought she was going to lose her life in the current. She said that a body came behind her and began to walk her through the river. And then when she got to the other side, there was no one there. A couple days later, she's stuck in the forest. She's by herself, no food, no water. She's ready to die. She said this to her family. She's ready to die. And she said, out of nowhere, she was asleep. She woke up. A man woke her up, said that God told him to find her, to bless her with food and water and to keep going on the journey. She wakes up. She has no idea who the man is. Family, when I tell you that when God can find you and no one knows you exist, I'm being serious. I don't know about you, but you need to understand that if God can find a woman in Panama that no one even knows she's around and is going to make it, if God can find David in a field when everyone doesn't think that David exists, family, God can find you in the situation that you're going through. God can find you in the lonely moments of your life. God can find you you when no one else is looking for you and I know you're struggling with loneliness I know you feel like you're in this on your own and I know you feel like man where is God he is right there if you would let him in and listen I get so excited because it's not just a cool story and and thank God God answers our prayers but man more than that I knew I knew when he told me on Sunday I was like I'm gonna preach about that next week I can't wait I, I, I knew it I didn't even tell Vanessa the story yet because I needed a brew inside of me. And it wasn't just because it was a cool testimony, but it was God revealing to me that, Chris, I see you and I know you and I find people and I know where they're at and I know what's happening and I know what's taking place. I'm not the God who's out of the storm, but I'm the God that sleeps through the storm. I'm not the God that's by yourself out of the desert, but I'm the pillar of fire and I'm the pillar of smoke that walks you through the desert. I'm not the God that leaves you by yourself when you're going through your stuff. But I'm the God that is there with you and knows where I see you and I know you. I know where you're at. And I know you exist. And you're not alone. Well, Pastor Chris, I, I don't feel God and I don't sense him. That doesn't matter. Because your feelings are not truth. David, he goes through this party. Imagine Samuel, right? Samuel heard from God. Samuel knew that if God told me there's a king, there's a king. Because Samuel has a history with God for hearing God. I'm going to find this king. Goes to Jesse. Line up your boys. Now imagine, that's so awkward. Give me the first one. Eliab, tall, handsome. Nope. Come on. PE all over again, middle school for some of you. Means astonishment. He would amaze people. David means beloved. Eliab, the one who's of his father. That's not it because I'm starting a new legacy. I don't want that Abinadab. I don't want that Jesse nonsense. I'm going to start something new. Oh, what, what about, what about, what about Eliab? What about Abinadab, right? Abinadab. My father is noble. No, no, I'm not going to believe in any lies of what you think this family situation is. It's not even exactly what it is. Shama, Shama's a great king. His name is amazement. Like how next level is your name? And your name means astonishment. Like you are meant to stun and shine. And God's like, no, I don't want the one that's going to shine in his name. I want the one that's going to shine in my name. And fourth son, no. Fifth son, no. Sixth son, no. Seventh son, no. Jesse, definitely not. And, and, and Samuel says, isn't there one more? Come on, Jesse. You got another mijito over there? You know, a little mijo? Where, where? Because I know God told me. Where's the net? Where is he? And Jesse, the way Jesse responds. Oh, he's so salty. Like he's that, he doesn't, like it's a, what a noble moment to have one of your sons as kings. But yet he didn't think David was worthy or deserved it. He says, well... I mean, there's the little one. He's out there with the, the, the sheep and the fields. And, but it can't be him. It can't be him. And someone's like, get him. Get him now. I wonder what brother Jesse sent to get David. <laughs> I have five brothers. So, you know, I'm just thinking like if it was me, if I was Shama, I'd get my little brother and be like, okay, you're going to go in the house. 
you look a mess. You better shut up. You better not say anything. I don't even know why this dude is, right? Brothers are haters sometimes. That's why you got to find some brothers here that love you, right? You know what I'm saying? And, and he gets in the house, and it says the Spirit of God enters the house. The voice of God speaks to Samuel, and he says, it's him. That's him. God calls him handsome and beautiful, not just for his appearance, but for his heart. And says, that's going to be the king. And the Bible says that in front of his brothers and his family, David is anointed as the next king of Israel. When no one knew David existed, when his brothers didn't even care, when his father didn't even want him, when no one wanted him, when no one cared about him, when no one was around him, when no one felt like David was even important, God knew where he was at. And the Bible says Samuel grabbed a horn of oil and he anointed David and he made him king. And I, I just can't imagine that moment where the oil of God is rushing on David. It was symbolic, not just of him becoming king, but of the spirit of God. Just the same way in Luke chapter 4 where it says the Spirit of God has anointed me to preach good news to the captive so that prisoners would be free that blind eyes would open and that the dead would be raised I'm telling you when God chooses you he anoints you and when he anoints you he begins to break off the generational stuff of your life he begins to break off the shame he begins to break off the guilt he begins to break off the lies he begins to call David to something greater than he ever imagined and David in that moment as the oil is rushing from his head right things are breaking off his spirit is coming alive the things that he struggled with are breaking off his life the bible says his head was covered with oil shepherds would put head on the oils of their sheep or, or oil on the heads of their sheep so that way if bugs would come in they would not be able to come in they would protect him he's covering his mind he's healing his heart he's healing his spirit he's healing his emotions he's healing david and that's what happens when the oil of god comes on your life when god anoints you it's not just to anoint you to make you feel good it's an anointing it's a presence because God is doing something real in your life in front of all the haters in front of all it don't matter he found someone who had his heart family can I just 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 metaphorically think God called me to be a Samuel today and there's some of you that need to be anointed by God what do I mean by that that God has saw you God has found you and God is calling you to greater. God is calling you to break that sin that you've been struggling with. God is calling you to break that generational stuff your mom and dad and grandparents have dealt with. God is calling you to a deeper relationship with him. God is calling you to be a king in him, meaning royalty, that your identity would shift completely and that maybe, just maybe, God wants to anoint you, meaning his presence released on your life so that way you would no longer be the shepherd boy everyone thought, but God would call you into something greater. think in this room God wants to break loneliness this morning God wants to break fear God wants to break sin God wants to break apathy God wants to break complacency God wants to break the suicidal thoughts that you've been struggling with God wants to clear your mind of the things that you've been struggling with. God wants to break the addiction that you've been struggling with God wants to heal the marriage that you've been struggling with and he doesn't care how dark or lonely it is because it's not dark and lonely to him when he steps on the scene everything changes and I'm telling you today that if God can find a woman in the jungles of Panama and God can find a little boy in the shepherd fields of Israel and God can find your pasture in a random little house in East LA area then God can find you where you're at and he can meet you where you're at and he can do something that you would never believe that he can do but watch him do it why because that is what Jesus does do me a favor stay on your feet with me in this room my last point is this is that God's yes is all you need. But here's the deal. God's yes doesn't matter if you haven't said yes back. And I believe that there's some people in the room that have been fighting God, trying to do things their way, trying to be a Saul when God's trying to make you a David. And that God would tell you, if you would say yes to me, I've already said yes to you. I've already said yes to you. I've already said yes to my relationship with you. I've already said yes to my affection to you. I've already said yes to my love for you. And I know you're going through it. And I know you're lost. And I know you're broken. And I know you're hurting. But man, if you would just give it to me and trust me and lean in on me, watch what I would do with your life. Watch how I will catch your heart on fire the same way David's heart was on fire. Watch what I do with you if you would just trust me. I My yes is there. But man, I need you to say yes back. 
And so every, every head bowed, hands up in the room real quick. And I want you to just say this prayer with me. I want to make this a real moment real quick. And just say this, everybody in the room. Jesus, speak to me. And if you're in this room, you just said that prayer. And if you feel God tugging on your heart, you know you need to go deeper with Jesus. You know that God's calling you to greater. You know that God wants to begin to break things on your life that you used to struggle with. That loneliness, that depression, that all that stuff. Uh, the things that David must have struggled with. You know that God is calling you to him. Calling you to greater. Calling you to something that is not of your past. Calling you to something that is his plan and not your plan. And you know that God wants to do something in your life this morning. Do me a favor. Come up to the front and meet me up here right now. Not a one, two, three count. Just come meet me up here. I want to pray with you this morning. Come on. Come on. It's not about getting saved all over again. It's about you choosing Jesus and going deep with God and allowing God to do some heart surgery in your life. Come on. Keep coming. Keep coming. Keep coming. There's plenty of room. Keep coming. Keep coming. Keep coming. We're going to do some, some work with God this morning. Come on. We're going to get a hold of God the same way that David got a hold of God in that field a little bit. We're going to let Jesus anoint us the same way Samuel anointed David. We're going to let him cover us and wash. Some of us need to get washed. Some of us need to get cleansed. Keep coming. Keep coming. There's room in the middle. There's room in front. Just make space. Come on. Come on. Keep coming. Keep, uh, right here in this aisle. You can keep coming for Pastor Jason. If you can help them, that would be great. Just don't want anyone in the rows. I know it's dark. Keep coming. Keep coming. Keep coming. Keep coming. I know. I know. I know. But I, I feel the grace of God on this one. You don't have to walk in the same. You don't have to walk out the same way you walked in. You don't have to carry this thing any longer. Keep coming. Keep coming. Keep coming this way. Keep coming this way. Right here. Yep. Keep coming right over here. Right over here. Don't worry. I'm not going to bite. No one cares. Come on. Keep coming. A little closer. A little closer. A little closer. A little closer. Come on. Scoot in this way. Scoot in that way a little bit. Keep coming. Keep coming. Yeah. Keep coming. Come on, family. I don't know about you, but this is exciting. God's moving in this place right now. Do me a favor. Lift up your hands all across the room. If you're in the pew, that's okay. If you're in the chairs, that's fine. We're going to engage with what heaven's saying. And this is what we're going to do. Pastors, help me pray. Group leaders, help me pray. I just put a hand on his shoulder. But I'm going to believe that in this moment, God is moving and God is speaking. Father, right now, we break the spirit of abandonment in Jesus' name. We say to individuals here that relate to David because their father left them or their mother left them. Or maybe they feel like a spouse left them or, or something has happened where they feel a hole in their heart. God, that your anointing would fill it right now in Jesus' name. Father, we say you would release and you would break the spirit of loneliness and depression. We say to your mind that it would be healed right now in Christ Jesus. We say that God sees you and he's got you. He sees you and he knows you. And if you don't let him in, he's just on the sidelines. But watch if you let him in what he begins to do with your life. Jesus, right now we pray that you would begin to move and sweep in their hearts and in their minds. The same way the Bible says that the Spirit of God rushed upon David. God, I pray that you, your Spirit, would rush upon my friends this morning. Family, I want to sing out for a few minutes and as we worship, let's believe that what happened in that scripture would begin to happen in this room and that God would begin to release his power and his presence and his mercy and his anointing in this room in Jesus' name.
God in my bedroom when I was 12 years old and I realized someone wanted me because I thought no one wanted me thank God I had, I had my grandmother and my, my, my aunt who adopted me but when you deal with trauma and with pain and abandonment and I'm speaking to someone in the room that right now God you need to know God, God wants you not just he doesn't need you he wants you his heart's free. It's why he died. He didn't die just so that he could be a, a religious figure. No, he died because he loves you, man. So right now, God, break off that orphan spirit. What is that? What, what do I, I, you, I keep saying that, especially some of you that like, what are you talking about, Pastor Chris? It's, 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 a, it's, it's a spiritual thing. It's when someone who acts like an orphan even though God's called them to be adopted I love David because he learned how to function like a son without even having his father because he knew his heavenly father he knew how to function as a brother even though he didn't have his brothers but Jesus was his brother he knew the presence of God so I pray my prayer for you is this is hands lifted up right now one more time just, just all across the room why do I keep doing that it just helps us engage it helps us to focus Holy Spirit I pray your presence would rest on them right now <sighs> same way that Jesus the Bible says he blew on his disciples like <sighs> breath the same way God blew into Adam in Genesis 1 <sighs> breath <sighs> that he would blow he would, his, his, his wind, his spirit, his pneuma. That's what the word is. Would rest on you. And it would be with you in the dark. It would be with you when you're by yourself. 
they would be with you and that orphan thing would begin to get healed right now you are not an orphan you are not a mistake you are not a failure you are not an accident you are God's and God's alone and I'm telling you right now that Jesus is calling you to greater and he's calling you to deeper let go of that garbage let go of the stuff that's keeping you from him and go after him wholeheartedly father we say right now in this room that you would teach us to follow you like David that you would teach us how to follow you like David that your spirit would rush upon us because God it can be trusted with us Holy Ghost we pray for healing right now in the room right now I don't know if any of you need a healing or a miracle whatever the case may be Holy Spirit we pray that you would release that a physical healing mental healing emotional healing God release it in the room broken bones coming back to life God, if you could find a woman in the jungles of Panama, you could heal cancer in Jesus' name. So God, we pray right now, diseases would go. Lies would be broken. Holy Spirit, that your heart would begin to be our heart. And God, this would be the beginning of something real and something new for some of my friends. This is not an emotional experience. God, this is a God encounter that will change the trajectory of someone's life in this room today. And so, Holy Spirit, we pray that we trust you and we love you and that you would continue to do it. We surrender ourselves to you and we ask that you would continue to move and continue to speak. We love you. And in Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen. Come on, let's just give it up for what God did in the room this morning. Come on. Yes. Family. Amen. Hey, listen, before you move, before you go, two things. One, if God's still moving in your life and you're getting a little wrecked, you can stay a little longer. That's fine. No one's going to be mad. Just chill. You could sit. I don't care. Secondly, everybody say growth track. Growth track is how you get connected here. We don't want you to just come to a church service. We want you to become part of the family. So we'd love to have you fill out that connect card and sign up for growth track. Sound good? Last thing. I got one more. Sorry. I know. One more. We have a bunch of chairs out because we believe, how many of you know someone who needs this in their life? Like what just happened in this room, you're like, man, if only my cousin was here. That's why we got a bunch of chairs out. Let's pack this out this fall because I believe this is how it's gonna be every single week, I really do. And so let's invite a friend, let's be missional, and let's reach our city, sound good? Love you all, have a great rest of your Sunday. Let's see you next week, love you all. Once again, thank you so much for joining in and listening to the message brought to our house this past Sunday. We love you and we pray you have a blessed day and blessed week.